Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Purest water make me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you Greetings, saints. Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. And uh, Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for drawing us unto yourself through these revelations. And we thank you for working your will in our hearts. We thank you that Jesus lives in us. Amen. All right, we're going to call this The Bride Will Overcome, Part 2. And the first revelation I'm going to share is staying on track. Samuel Fire, tell 12, 25, 22. <clears throat> I had a vision of a long train track. And if you continued along, you would definitely reach the destination. I heard as though a conductor spoke announcing through an intercom, this is the track to God. I was standing on the platform of a tiny powered version of a train, and I was alone, and there was no room for passengers, uh, representing our personal relationship with the Father as our walk is accountable to Him and being led by His Holy Spirit. And we are each one running our own race to come into the image of Christ. There's no room for the old man and the lusts of the flesh. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 says, Know ye not that they that run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. That's one is Christ and everyone in Christ. Amen. Even so run that you may attain, and every man that striveth in the games exercises self-control in all things. Now they do it to receive a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run as not uncertainly, or so fight I as not beating the air. But I buffet my body and bring it into bondage lest by any means after that I have preached to others, I myself should be rejected. And of course, if Paul can be rejected, we can. So we have to keep that flesh under control of the spirit man. The train was going through its course, heading off into the sunset, uh, representing the sun, S-U-N slash S-O-N, uh, traveling from east to west, progressing from the beginning of our journey to the end, moving towards obtaining Christ. Amen. The train was traveling slightly slower uh, than walking speed. Well, this could mean uh, running the race with patience and moving at God's pace. Uh, his timing is perfect. Our race is also our walk with Him, and we won't get ahead of Him, uh, but be led by the Spirit of God. Hebrews 12 and 1 says, 
Therefore let us also, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, lay aside every weight and the sin. So there are weights that are not sin that will keep us from winning the race, right? Which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And we must do the same thing, right? We're following in his steps. I then saw other miniature trains and the point of view from each of these people. We are all traveling on this track uh, towards our heavenly calling, and uh, each of us have an individual race to run, right? We're gracing against time more than against one another, you know. One person's attention had been drawn to looking all around at the many different views, scenery, and things alongside the train track. This man was distracted and stopped often by the many things that he was seeing. I felt the Lord say to not even bother looking at what the distractions were, but to keep looking ahead. and In other words, your eye on the goal, right? And continue to focus on the track because uh, where you look is where you would be heading. Well, that's true. Matthew six twenty one through 23 says this, For where thy treasure is, there will thy heart be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is the darkness. The man was driving the train off the rails, and he completely crashed in distraction. Well, First John 2, 15-17 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the vainglory of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever." I then noticed that if I looked slightly off to the side, I would be, I would take a different course. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, even with your car, you can look off to the side and you're actually turning that way. Uh, and thus never reach the intended destination. Uh, Ephesians 4, 17 through 19, and some of the verses we're using are NENT, which is the numeric, and it's very good, so that's fine. Ephesians four seventeen through 19 This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you no longer should walk as the nations also walk in the vanity of their mind, being darkened in their understanding and alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardening of their heart, who being past feeling gave themselves up to lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness, with covetousness. 
And 1 Corinthians 7 and 35 says, And this I say for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for what is seemly and assiduous uh, towards the Lord without distraction. I noticed that the second man's journey, he was anxious and jittery. He quickly realized that he could outrun the train, so he leaped from the train and started off on his own. Okay, so this represents impatience, self-will, thinking we know better than God, and acting in our own strength. Um, The world behaves this way when stressed and anxious, and so does the old man, right? So this is uh, self-works and having the mind of the flesh. Isaiah thirty fifteen and 16 says, For thus saith the Lord, uh, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest shall ye be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. And you would not, but you said no, We will flee upon horses. Of course, horses are a lot faster than humans, right? (laughs) And therefore shall you flee. And we will ride upon the swift. Therefore shall they that pursue you be swift. Yeah. Get off on your own. You're out there out from under the blood. You'll have trouble. Psalm 147, 10 to 11 says, He delighteth not in the strength of the horse, He taketh no pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear Him, and those that hope in His loving kindness. Amen. I thought if I got out of the train and walked, I could have gone ahead of the train, but I did not have any idea where I would go, nor did I have peace and assurance in my heart. Ah... I knew this would be my own strength and not how the Lord intended. And I remembered that we are to follow the Lord and not lead. Well, yes, amen. John 10, 27 and 28. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. Well, you have to stay in his hand by not getting jumping out, right? Uh, we follow the Lord. We don't lead him. Second uh, John 1 and 9, Whosoever goeth onward and abideth not in the teaching of Christ hath not God. Who abideth in the teaching, the same hath both the Father and the Son. I then saw a third man who decided to get off the train in the middle of a desert. Immediately, I thought, there was nothing out there, and he would be on his own in in despair in a complete wasteland. Proverbs 3 and 5, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, and lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct thy paths. Psalm 107, 4 through 5, They wandered in a wilderness in a desert way. They found no city of habitation. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Yes. Then there was yet another man who stopped at a city. It had all the things he ever wanted. And he did not get back 
on the track. And this represents the temptations of many worldly lusts and having idols and and falling away because these distractions and his self-will, he was delayed so very long that in the natural years and decades went by before he realized his error, his appointed time was due. And Mark 4 and 19 says, And the cares of the age, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things, enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. You see, some people may start start out pretty close to 30-fold, but they lose it, and they don't have enough to enter the kingdom. Hmm. Acts 17 and 16. Now, While Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him, and he beheld the city full of idols. In 1 John 5 and 21, My little children, guard yourselves from idols. In Luke 12 and 20, But God said unto him, Thou foolish one, this night is thy soul required of thee, and the things which thou hast prepared Whose shall they be? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. And First John 2 and 15 through 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the vainglory of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Also I saw another man who did the same. And as he left for the city, he seemed to be making notes and leaving markers uh, about in order to get back to the train. Oh, Uh, I wondered about this man and how he thought he could leave and do his own thing and catch up. But then I saw that there was no way to know where the train was in order to run back. Hmm. So without the Lord, we're uh, blind and helpless and we don't know the way. Um, Jesus is the way. We have to follow him. And by prideful thinking, uh, he thought he could catch up. But there's no way without God. Galatians 6, 3 and 4 says, If one thinketh himself to be something, being nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let each prove his own work, and then shall he have the glorying for himself alone and not the other. And Proverbs 16 and 18 says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 16, 1 and 2, The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. I saw another man who was carrying such a large, cumbersome baggage 
of useless items. He couldn't balance on the train while holding to these things, and eventually he fell off. I thought this was the cause of his falling away. Yes, indeed. First Peter 5 and 7, Casting all your anxiety upon him, because he careth for you. And Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Yeah. First Timothy 6, 6-10 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, for neither can we carry anything out. But having food and covering, we shall be therewith content. But they that are minded to be rich fall into a temptation and a snare, and many foolish and hurtful lusts, such as drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil which some reaching after have been led astray from the faith and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I was convicted that if there was yet even 1% of a person's heart not with God on the righteous track, that that percentage would be pulling or steering them in the wrong way and they may never completely reach the destination. See, You see, uh, wisdom is first. We search out the wisdom. We don't go to church and find out what the Bible says. We go to the Bible. Yeah. Otherwise, you will get off track, and you may stay there the rest of your life. Matthew seven thirteen and 14 says, Enter ye in by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many are they that enter in thereby. For narrow is the gate, and straightened the way that leadeth unto life, and few are they that find it. Yeah, remember, three out of four fell away in the parable of the sower. Hmm. I felt that we needed to be content with where we are and what is happening right now, in this moment and every moment. If we aren't content in this moment, then we won't be comfortable um, being sealed, seated next to Christ for all eternity. How can we see that we are already uh, seated with Him in eternity if not right now? To be comfortable and at peace in the now, no matter what happens, because God is in control of every tiny thing. And this is the same for things to come in the walk with the Lord and for all eternity. Philippians 4.11 Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. And First Timothy 6 and 6 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Amen. Then these two verses came to mind. Proverbs 16 and 9. A man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directs his steps. 
He directs the steps even of the wayward and the uh, evil. He directs those steps. He works in us to willing to do of his good pleasure. And if a person decides to be a vessel of dishonor, he will use them as a vessel of dishonor to sanctify the righteous. Proverbs 4.23, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. That's right. If our heart is delighted in our Lord, we shall reach our destination. Psalm 37 and 4. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he will give thee the desires of thy heart. And Matthew 5 and 8. Blessed the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So many blessings are upon the righteous path in Christ Jesus. Proverbs 4 and 18 says, But the path of the righteous is as the dawning light. It doesn't come all of a sudden. Uh, that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. So you must stay on track. You must stay in the Word. Don't trust religion. Stay in the Word. All the religions of Jesus' day failed. All of them. And the things that have been are the things that shall be. There were people who came out of them and followed Jesus, and he called them his called out ones, which is the meaning of church. So, this one we call Red Engine Train, Marie Kelton, 526-23. During the meeting, I had an open vision of a field covered in grass. The field represents the world, as Jesus said, right? It was raining, and the sky was gray and foggy. Well, the gloomy weather uh, represents the blindness of the world and um, the coming judgment. I then saw a red train engine driving on the field with smoke coming from the chimney. The red engine had a lot of red passenger cars attached to it. So this red train represents the corporate body of believers uh, covered by the blood of Jesus. And together, as one body, on the straight and narrow way, which is the track, right? Empowered by the Holy Spirit, getting on the track with God, and pulled by His will, and led in the direction of the Holy Spirit. And uh, the smoke is as the incense of prayers being offered up to God. Okay, we call this one Stand on the Promises. That's Samuel Fire, 4-9-23. I had a vision where I saw a man standing on a beach. And then a big wave came and crushed him. And after he recovered, he then moved away from the water further inland. But here he could not even get wet as the waves could not reach him. He then went closer to the water, but where he stood was not deep enough, and only up to his knees. You see, we have to get in over our heads with the water. The water is our baptism. The water of the Word is our baptism, and we have to be plunged beneath it, put to death by it, and come into agreement with it. There was no spot perfect spot to sit or stand. 
We can only have the Lord as our strength and anchor in Him. Every big wave is the enemy accusing us or attacking us. Uh, being in lack of water is being dry in the walk in Christ. And not everything will measure up to the enemy. And we are to press on uh, upward. And no matter where we are and what we do, the enemy will continue to accuse us. And our life is for our Father who delights in his children, and it is Jesus in us. Amen. And we're justified by faith, not by our past works. Forgetting those things which far behind, we press forward to the prize of the high calling. Amen. So, uh, received by faith at random, Lamentations 5 and 17, in context 16 through 18, The crown is fallen from our head. Woe unto us, for we have sinned. For this our heart is faint. For these things our our eyes are dim. And for the mountain of Zion, which is desolate, the foxes walk upon it. Judgment is coming for the apostate leadership and uh, the people that don't separate from them and go on with Christ. Come out and follow Christ. So stand on the promises, right? Amen. We call this one Crashing Waves. Tiana Fire, 613-23. I saw myself standing in the ocean water at the beach, and waves would keep crashing into me. The waves represent the water of the Word of God and the trials that we go through that are meant to cleanse and purify us. Some were small ways, and they were easy to stand through. And every time a wave would hit me, I would feel cleaner and freshened, as if the waves were removing things from me that didn't need to be there. Yeah, amen. The trials reveal sin or weakness and give us the opportunity to let go of those things that are exposed so that the Lord can cleanse us of them. And the ways are small in the beginning of our walk of of following Jesus because God is gracious and we are only able to handle seeing the little things of our old life uh, that we need to repent of. But as we go along, they get a little stronger Uh, sometimes imperceptibly, and that's God uh, giving us grace to grow, you know. 1 John 1, 6-9 says, If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, which is the light of the Word, by the way, we have fellowship one with another. In other words, you're a part of a body. If you if a, a member of the body is cut off, it dies. You're a member of the body. You serve the body, and the body serves you, right? So we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And if we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a good deal. 
for stepping on your pride and confessing your sin. Amen? But some of the ways were very large, fast, and heavy, that it was impossible to remain standing up. I had to dive under the wave so I could make it through. Otherwise, it would push me back and take me over. So, the diving under the waves, I believe, represents humbling ourselves to the Word of God and coming into submission to His will when the heavy trials come. This also represents baptism. Going completely under the water is symbolic of our death, burial, and resurrection. And the water puts to death the old man, uh, which we would also need the power of the Holy Spirit to endure. He went on to say, I would feel much power, excitement, and uh, freedom from diving under a wave. And when I would come up after the wave passed, it was a blessing to breathe. And I felt so very refreshed, energized, and strengthened in boldness. Well, this is the power of the Holy Spirit and His breath of life. And also, this is overcoming in the trials as we go through them and remaining obedient to the Word. That's the trick. That's the whole test, right? Are you going to hold to the Word as you go through it? Or are you going to try to do your own thing, right? And we become stronger, maturing, and becoming much more like Christ as we go through the trials. We make decisions in the trials to obey or not, you know. Acts 1 and 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit is come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. We're being prepared for something really great now. Romans 1 and 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. So believe the good news. Stop studying the bad news. There's nothing there. It gives no faith, right? To the Jew first and also to the Greek, Ephesians 3 and 12, in whom we have boldness and access in confidence through our faith in Him. Amen. If we're always humble and continue to abide in Christ, all the sin nature of our old lives will manifestly be removed. And uh, by our obedience and faith in the Word of God, and only His holiness will remain in us. So praise God for all trials, as they are all for our good. And God gives us and answers us with what we would want if we knew what He knows. Amen. Ephesians 5 and 25 through 27 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself up for it, that He might Sanctify it, having cleansed it by the washing of the water with the word, that he might present the church to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Well, amen. And we call this one traffic lights. 
Samuel 5, 5, 26, 23. I saw a set of traffic lights, and to that I should keep going when it is green. But sometimes there is uh, an orange light indicating to slow down, and then turning red, and then a stop. I then saw at the at an intersection at the red light a huge semi-truck plowing on through the crossroad that if I had kept going at the red light, I would have been smashed by the truck. Good lesson, right? I felt that the Lord wants us to keep going, keep it green and good. Well, sometimes He warns us of things to be weary of and uh, alerts us to dangers, and His warning us of the enemy's attacks are normal. And then, when we listen to the Lord and stop at a red light, we let the danger go past us, barely touching, but even so close. But we know that He is in control and caring about us, and that we need to be obedient and trusting in Him. So we call this one, Dodging Obstacles on the Straight and Narrow Way. Samuel Fire, 6, 7, 23. I saw a man in a tight and narrow hallway. This hallway was fixed on a travelator, that's what they call it over there, and moved constantly, as there was no way to get off but to keep moving along the speed that it moved. So this tight, narrow hallway on the travelator represents the way to holiness. In John 4, and 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. No one cometh unto the Father but by me. Therefore you must walk in Christ and after Christ to find the way, the truth, and that eternal life. And Matthew seven thirteen and 14 says, Enter ye in by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many are they that enter in thereby. For narrow is the gate, and straightened the way that leadeth unto life, and few are they that find it. Okay, a little repetition there, but that's okay, because it fits. Then objects started appearing at the start of the hallway. They were soft, but heavy and cumbersome. Two, uh, two time, uh, consuming and a waste of effort to constantly move them. So, these objects that appeared uh, would be the many fiery trials and tribulations that we must go through as we enter the kingdom of heaven and learn to overcome in them. When we overcome trials, we're overcoming our flesh. It's dying, and the spiritual man is taking his place. This is a necessity. The man quickly deduced to move around each object instead by dodging all these falling things. He realized that if he touched the objects, he would be caught like Velcro. 
and it was better to jump and to dodge all the objects. Well, the objects to avoid uh, would represent idols, worldly distractions, sins of the old life, etc., which touching these things would cause a person to get caught. And so Velcro would represent receiving the lies of Satan and listening to false accusations, slander, gossip, rejection, uh, condemnation, or any of the past, um, instead of casting down the vain thoughts and imaginations believing the gospel, that we are already saved through faith. Already saved through faith. And keep going forward. Yes, people get caught in these things. And uh, you you don't want to entertain them. You will be captured and uh, and be on the sidelines. Second Corinthians six fifteen through eighteen says, "And what concord hath Christ with Belial? And what portion hath a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement hath a temple of God with idols? For we are a temple of the living God, even as God said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come ye out from among them, and be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be to you a father, and you shall be to me sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty." So touching these unclean things, like faction, will grab you and destroy your life. Yes, be far, far from any unforgiveness or criticism of others. You know, thank you, Lord. Eventually, more objects in different shapes and sizes kept coming, but it was not impossible to progress, but it only increased in difficulty. Okay. Acts 14 and 22 says, Confirming the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and that through many tribulations we must enter into the kingdom of God. And 1 Peter 5 and 10 says, And the God of all grace, who called you unto his eternal glory in Christ, after that you have suffered a little while, shall himself perfect, establish, and strengthen you. Amen. Finally, the man succeeded, and the travelator stopped, and the man reached the end of the hallway. He was sweating and exhausted, and clearly wanted to be out of there as fast as possible. But once he was exiting the hallway, he had a giant smile and didn't look back. Amen. First Peter 1, 6-9 says, Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been put to grief in manifold trials. True, it is grief in manifold trials. That the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, that perisheth, though it is proved by fire, may be found unto the praise and glory of the honor at the uh, revelation of Jesus Christ. 
In other words, the revealing or the manifestation of Jesus Christ. Because you keep going down this, you're going to manifest Him. You will be revealed in Him. Whom uh, not having seen you love, and whom though you now see Him not, yet believing you rejoice greatly with joy, unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. The beginning of your faith is your spirit being saved. The end of your faith is the salvation of your mind, will, and emotions. You must go there to bear fruit with what God gave you in your spirit. Remember to keep on dodging the ways of the world and attacks of the enemy. Avoid all these and focus on God. Remember, He will get you through. Proverbs 4. 1 through 15. Hear, my sons, the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Forsake ye not my law. For I was a son unto my father, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. And he taught me and said unto me, Let thy heart retain my words. Keep my commandments, and live. Uh, So it's not that you can just start out and be once saved, always saved. You have to continue in the Word to bear fruit in your soul and be saved in your soul. 30, 60, and 100. Get wisdom and get understanding. Forget not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. You have to keep reprogramming your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have to keep this up. Forsake her not, for she will preserve thee. Love her, and she will keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. That's the wisdom of God, the word of the Lord. Yea, with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she will promote thee. She will bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She will give to thy head a chaplet of grace, a crown of beauty will she deliver to thee. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in paths of uprightness. And when thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened. And if thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Enter not into the path of the wicked, including religion, by the way. These are all facades. You get in the Word. You get concentrated truth in the Word. It saves your soul. And walk not in the way of evil men, even religious evil men, and avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass on. Okay, we call this closing the back door. Samuel 5, 12, 5, 22. Tiana, David, and I were living in a big white two-story house. White represents sanctification and purity, and two-story means our spirit and soul. The house is our body, which is the temple of God. 
Okay, and he went on to say, we had people in the house. We gave them packed dinners, and then they left. Well, the packed dinners represent uh, prepared with spiritual food or meat of the Word, right? We found out that a large storm was approaching, and it is, I tell you. And there would be heavy rain. Uh, a large storm, storm approaching and heavy rain represents judgments, tribulations, and the attacks from the kingdom of darkness. I was feeling urgency and worry to protect my family in the house. Deanna and David went into a room that was heavily secured. This room represents being in the secret place of the Most High, as in Psalm 91, under the blood of Jesus. Remember Psalm 91. You confess this, you get something, I tell you. Uh, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. You must confess Him before men. My God in whom I trust, for He will deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Say, well, I I got the pestilence. Well, guess what? You missed the road, right? I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge. He will cover thee with his pinions, and under his wings shalt thou take refuge. His truth is a shield and a buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor by the arrow that flieth by day. For the pestilence, which is coming, that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. Yes, they've got some real special pestilences coming. Uh, And we... We have immunity in Christ. If you don't know that, read our book, um, God's Vaccine. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. You hear that? This is true. Some say this is the millennium. Oh, no, it's not. You don't need this in the millennium. (laughs) Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Yes, you're going to see them dropping all around you. For thou, O Lord, art my refuge. Thou hast made the Most High thy habitation, and there shall no evil befall thee. Do you believe it? You must believe it. Neither shall any plague come nigh thy tent. You must believe it. You must put it in there until you believe it. For he will give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. And thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent shalt thou trample underfoot. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him, and I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him, and with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. 
I rushed around the house, locking all the doors and windows to prepare for the storm. Well, by locking the doors and windows, we are closing all the loopholes that the devil may try to use to get at us, right? Closed and sealed with the confession of sins and the cleansing of ourselves using the promises of the Word of God. Rain started pouring in through the back door, so I threw down towels to soak it up. I had a brand new car. And it was backed up to the door, very close to the house, to try and protect it. I was trying to close and lock the back door to the house where the car was parked near it. There were four sliding doors to the house, and the third door was not locking properly. Next to me, there was a device that gave an alert. And I saw on the screen thousands of zombies rushing towards the district where our house was located. There are armies south of the border. There are armies inside the border of these United States, and they're ready to rush. And they're all dead. They're all dead people walking. So these thousands of zombies were rushing towards the district where our house was located. Well, this is representing the Holy Spirit's alerting us to the dangers of those dead in their sins. I got a call from some of the people who were at the house. Uh, and they asked me about the alert, saying, How many are there? I said, Hordes of them. They asked in a panicking voice, how many? And I said again, hordes, just be in the faith. God is in control. Amen. I resumed trying to lock this third door, but it was just not working. So closure of something uh, so that when the enemy tries to get in by self-works, it cannot occur. And sometimes it takes time and patience, perseverance, and persistence to completely bring the completion of God's works to manifestation. I then woke up. I sought God and I asked what this dream meant and heard the following. This dream is to get you to be aware of the enemy, to always be on guard and to always be prepared, you are to secure your house, meaning your spiritual temple, and to remove and reject the principalities that prowl around, trying to get permission to harm you. Always be in my word and never let your defenses down. And First Peter 5, 8-9. Be ye sober, be watchful, your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour, whom withstand steadfast in your faith, knowing that the same sufferings are accomplished in your brethren who are in the world. And Second Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. 
For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but mighty before God to the casting down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that is exalted against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And Ephesians 6, 10-18 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. So if He tells you to do this, you can do this, right? Put on the whole armor of God, which is to protect you from the enemy's weapons, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and against the powers and against the world rulers of this darkness and against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Wherefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. We are headed for an evil day. You need to be strong. You need to have your armor on. 14. Stand, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, withal taking up the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one even if they come through people, right? And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, with all prayer and supplication, praying at all seasons in the Spirit, which is praying in the Holy Spirit, you know, not with your knowledge, but with the Holy Spirit, and watching thereunto in all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Luke twenty one thirty four through 36 says, But take heed to yourselves, lest happily your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, that's overindulging in anything, and drunkenness, because that's what happens to you if you surfeit, <laughs> and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly as a snare, for so shall it come upon all them that dwell on the face of the all the earth. But watch ye at every season, making supplication that ye may prevail to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Psalm 122 and 7 says, Peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. And Job eleven seventeen through 20 and thy life shall be clearer than the noonday. Though there be darkness, it shall be as the morning. And thou shalt be secure, because there is hope. Yea, thou shalt search about thee, and shalt take thy rest in safety. Also thou shalt lie down, and none shall make thee afraid. Yea, many shall make suit unto thee. But the eyes of the wicked shall fail, and they shall have no way to flee, and their hope shall be the giving up of the ghost. 
That means their hope is dying to get out of this. But that's out of the frying pan and into the fire. Hmm. Yes. Learning to pray and listen. Tiana Fire, 2021. I dreamt that Samuel and I were living in a house off-grid in the middle of a large forest or national park. The house off-grid in the forest uh, would represent living in the wilderness, which is where the church is going, whether they like it or not. There were no people living anywhere near us, and we were living there alone. The house was on a slight hill in an open grass prairie, and around that were all the trees. We were inside the house, tearing one morning, when suddenly we heard the noise of a helicopter. We walked outside and saw a black helicopter flying above us, trying to land, and we instantly felt that it was the enemy. And we needed to leave. So we turned around and ran straight up the hill into the forest. And we didn't look back. Amen. You don't want to be like Lot's wife, right, when you're leaving. I then saw from third person and that the helicopter had landed and men in black SWAT tactical gear had started chasing after us. Samuel and I just kept running through the forest, unsure of where we were going, but wanting to believe that God will protect us. We should have started running away sooner, because we could hear the men who were close behind us, and their German shepherds barking. Here's where we uh, felt that we were in, in error. We didn't leave soon enough because we were not aware ahead of time what the enemy was planning. Well, a lot of people in the churches don't have any awareness of what is coming. They're not prophetic. They're taught to not be prophetic. Therefore, they don't hear and they don't know. Matthew four nineteen and 20 says, And he saith unto them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. They were prepared by God, were they not? Yes. As they are being today, prepared by God to follow Jesus through this wilderness. So this scenario replayed again. And Samuel and I were back at the house. This time we knew that the helicopter was going to come. So we just straight away ran out into the forest. And when we were at the forest, we heard the helicopter and it landed and the people and their dogs started chasing after us again. But they were much further behind us. Amen. Samuel ran one way and I ran another. I ran through the forest and got to a large river that led to a body of water. And I went in and wondered if I could hide in the water. But the sound of the water splashing made much noise, and then I saw the men coming down to the water. 
So here's where we felt we erred. We split up and were not in unity and communion with the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus sent them out two by two. There's a reason that he did that. They were his corporate three, uh, two witnesses, you see. Some people don't know that because the letter has bound them up in the book of Revelation. The two witnesses are a huge group of people. Uh, and they're learning from the man-child ministry how to do what they do. 1 Corinthians 1 and 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, uh, through the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same and no divisions be among you, but that you be perfected together in the same mind and in the same judgment. It replayed again, and Samuel and I were back at the house, and we ran outside to the forest, and the helicopter landed, and the people came after us. Hmm. So we felt that we should stick together, and as we were running, we prayed and asked God to please not allow the people and the dogs to smell or hear us. God can do that. If you believe that kind of thing, He can do that. I climbed up, excuse me, I climbed up a really tall tree and hid up there, and Samuel hid at the bottom of the tree and covered himself with leaves. The people and dogs walked straightway past us, and they kept searching the whole area. However, we couldn't leave because we didn't know if the people were still walking around searching for us or not. It was good because we asked God for help and He was faithful to answer our prayer. But we felt we erred when we did uh, things our own way to hide from the enemy rather than asking God where to go. And because... We did our own thing. There were consequences for it. So this scenario was replayed at the house again. The helicopter landed and we ran to the forest. And we prayed the whole time while running. And we asked God to tell us where to go clearly. And so we wouldn't do what we thought would be best. Asking to put in you the will and to do of his good pleasure. Because he can do that. He can lead you by putting his will in you. We heard the voice of the Lord tell us to run to the right for a little bit. And then run straight. And run through the river and across the other side. We kept quiet and didn't talk out loud. Uh, We didn't make any noises and stayed quiet in our minds so that we could hear uh, clearly where he wanted us to go. He ran all day and then got to the top of another hill in the forest. So they actually they all ran that way. And we stopped and looked down the hill and saw this small off-grid village hidden in the bush. We heard the Lord say that the people there are his, his, and he wanted us to go there. So we ran down to the village, and brethren came out and greeted us, and it was as if they knew who we were and that they were expecting us. 
So Revelation 12 and 14, And there were given to the woman the two wings of the great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness unto her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and a half a time from the face of the serpent. Amen. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven and 12 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a hope in your latter end. Uh, and you shall call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. So they certainly needed to pray to know which direction to go. Psalm 18 and 30 says, For as for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a shield unto all them that take refuge in him. And Psalm 12 and 6 says, The words of the Lord are pure, and words, and uh, as, as silver is tried in a furnace on the earth, purified seven times. And Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, and lean not upon thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct thy paths. So this we call vision of fighter pilots. This was given to Claire Pinar six five twenty three. Vision of fighter pilots. I saw a flash vision where I was walking through a wooded area up a short but steep mountain. Once I got to the top, it leveled off and the trees cleared in a circle where there was lush green grass under my feet. Well, um, she said, this means heading up Mount Zion with the corporate body of believers that are like trees planted. It is Jesus that leads us to the green pastures where we will find rest. I was dressed in a blue fighter pilot jumpsuit. I had a little pin with three stars and a wing coming out on each end of the, uh, the, the, the pin, all of gold, attached to the left side of my jumpsuit. So she had this pin on the left side of her jumpsuit. It's like uh, one of those pins you get in the military to say, you've got your wings. Or, you can fly now. The fighter pilot suit with the stars represents a spiritual warrior of the heavenlies, ordained through faith in God's promises, uh, the stars to fight the enemy, etc. I was standing with a small group of people, and we were all facing the same direction. And we all looked exactly the same in our uniforms and our pins. So they're one body, one spirit, right? And then we each supernaturally received a white helmet and we put it on in unison. That's the helmet of salvation. And once we did that, we hovered above the floor. 
with our arms slightly outstretched to look like uh, an A-frame. We put on the armor of God to fight against the powers and the principalities of the heavenlies. A white plane appeared in front of us, and it only had a front window. Everything was white everywhere on the plane. Then we all flew into the plane. The white plane represents the Holy Spirit, and the only way to look is to look straight ahead at Jesus. The vision extended. Or it ended, excuse me. I received by faith at random uh, for this vision, Ezekiel twenty-one nineteen. Also, thou, son of man, appoint thee two ways, that the sword of the king of Babylon may come. They twain shall come forth out of one land, and mark out a place, mark it out at the head of the way to the city. And also, by faith at random, I received, she said, uh, Daniel 7 and 20. And concerning the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn which came up, and before which three fell, even that horn that had eyes, and a month, a, a mouth that spake great things, whose look was more stout than its fellows. Okay, and uh, let's see, we're going to go to the crucified life of the wilderness. Samuel Fire, 3, 4, 23. I saw the tree line of a thick forest, and I was standing near a big pine tree about to enter this forest. Well, I think the thick forest represents the wilderness. Then I saw a man dressed in armor who looked like a Roman soldier with a red cape standing by. Ah. He represents the worldwide Roman Empire of the Ten Toes uh, at the bottom of the beast, which is on our day. Uh, And this represents the continental divisions of the earth. See, the beast is worldwide. Everyone who walks in the flesh is of the beast. Then I went deep into the forest and came to a tiny clearing as if to escape from this soldier. In the clearing was a small wooden building like a cabin. The cabin felt very safe and homey. The cabin represents uh, UBM in the wilderness. That's who we're preaching to, and that's who's getting this word. Uh, The safest place is abiding in Christ and the crucified life. And that's the place that people generally don't want to go. Isaiah 32 and 18 says, And my people shall abide in a peaceable habitation, and in safe dwellings, and in quiet resting places. Then I saw a beehive in a tree next to the cabin. I went over to it, and I was able to get the honey, like water out of a tap, and I was uh, not stung. Instead, the bees went out, and protected the area like a patrol unit, 
surrounding the cabin area. Well, let me say, the beasts of the field will be on your side when you are in the Lord. And when you're not, they will come against you. (laughs) The bees could represent those who intercede and pray for the protection of UBM and uh, of those who are preparing and serving the sweet words that the good news of the gospel in preparation for the tribulation which is coming. Sweeter than honey, flowing in abundance of his love. Tis so, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Amen. Proverbs 16 and 24. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. So you want to partake of the honey? Pleasant words. Agree with God's word and you will escape judgment. Revelation ten nine through 10. And I went unto the angel, saying unto him that he should give me the little book. And he saith unto me, Take it and eat it. The little book, right? Yes. And it shall make thy belly bitter, but in thy mouth it shall be sweet as honey. Yes, when you start reading the little book, uh, it's it's uh, a pain to your belly, which represents your flesh. You know, pigs are all flesh, aren't they? Right? And I took the little book out of the angel's hand, and I ate it up. And it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And when I had eaten it, my belly was made bitter. Yep, it comes against the flesh. Near the cabin there was a soft flowing river, and the, the water was very clean and drinkable. The fresh and clean water of the Word is represented here. Uh, Psalm 23 and 2 says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Revelation 22 and 1. And he showed me a river of water of life, bright as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and out of the Lamb. Do you know where the throne of God is? It's in your heart. And rivers of living water will flow out of your mouth from that throne. John seven thirty seven through 39 says, now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, from within him shall flow rivers of living water. In other words, the Scripture coming out of your mouth is living waters. It will give life to those around you. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believed on him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And John 4 and 10 says, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, And he would have given thee living water. 
Well, the place was very peaceful, but going away from this cabin brought a sense of danger. Well, there's danger of falling away. And when we depart from the truth of the unleavened bread of the word, then I saw between the trees and in the far distance and out of the forest a woman who was dressed in purple. And she was driving a strange vehicle like a Segway. There were others driving around with her who looked like the Roman soldier before. The woman dressed in purple represents the apostate church and the harlot and uh, the Roman soldiers uh, which represent the beast. And the harlot rides the beast, right? She wears purple. Revelation 17 and 4. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and gilded with gold and precious stone and and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the unclean things of her fornication. Hmm. I didn't like the look of her and turned away as she was evil looking. Proverbs 5 and 3 through 4 says, For the lips of a strange woman drop honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end she is bitter as wormwood and sharp as a two-edged sword. Amen. I knew these people were searching for me, and I felt threatened, and I didn't feel comfortable and wanted to hide in case I was seen. It was as though they were chasing after Christians who were hiding in these forests. Well, the harlot and the beast will persecute Christians who are living in the wilderness on the unleavened bread, and we need to remain hidden in Jesus Christ, right? Amen. Isaiah 52.11 says, Depart ye, depart ye. Go ye out from thence, touch no unclean thing. Go ye out of the midst of her, cleanse ye yourselves, ye that bear the vessels of the Lord. Amen. We call this one, Seek, ye, seek Me Now, Tiana Fire, one eighteen twenty three. I am wanting vessels who want to remain until the end to go through all that is about to come on the world in my peace, love, and my joy, manifesting and witnessing to the world of my Son uh, in His power and glory and might. And this world is desperate for my Son and my Son who they are going to get. All alive on earth will be given the choice to reject or accept me before everything is destroyed. All that will remain is my spirit. Everything else will be destroyed. And everything is for all to be... uh, uh, the The time is now to seek me with everything that you are.
with your whole mind and strength, you are to be constantly focusing on me, setting your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. I am the only satisfaction and glory. I want to commune with you. I desire you to be one with my Son. I have already done it all, but you need to agree and to go along with what I have already prepared. Your life is for me. Your mind, soul, spirit, and body were created for me and my glory. This world and everything in it were created for me to express my love and everlasting grace. And I am everything good, and there is nothing but me. The time is coming, and already is here. I am here, and I am coming. I am increasing myself in those who want me. I want you more than you know, and more than you could ever want me. I want to grow you as quickly as you will allow me. Stop thinking and spending your time on physical things. I provide all your needs. Your spiritual needs are greater than your physical. Seek spiritual food, not physical. You are blessed when in my presence and praising me. Sacrificing yourself brings the greatest glory. I am life. Awaken to me. I live in you and through you. Focus on me. Remain steadfast and hold on to me until the end. I am coming and have already come. Every second is another moment closer to eternity. Every second focused on me has an increase of me in you. Seek me. I am closer than your breath. And I desire to increase. Allow me. I know you more than you know yourself. I love you more than you can comprehend. But choose me in full. I want your whole heart, your whole strength and might. Without me, you can do nothing. And with me, we together can and will do all things above what your carnal mind can understand. Amen. Choose me. Focus on me now and forever. If you don't spend your time with me now, how will you spend your time with me for eternity? If you don't serve me and do my will now, how will you serve me for eternity? I chose you and wanted you here with me in full and not in part. Come to me for your daily bread. Every moment that goes by that you aren't communicating or communing with me are moments missed of my increase and my spiritual blessings. Only I can satisfy your soul. Only I can make you breathe 
uh, and your heart beat. Uh, I am. Seek me now. Amen. Brighter Garments, Tiana, 1208-22. I dreamed I was living at a two-story mansion, sharing the home with brethren in Christ. We were all seeking God with all of our hearts and desired to be closer to the Father in spirit and truth. Acts 1, 13 and 14 says, And when they were come in, they went up into the upper chamber, where they were abiding, both Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all with one accord continued steadfastly in prayer with the women and the and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brethren. There was a balcony around the house, and a man named Chad, who was always standing on the balcony, sometimes cooking on the barbecue, or standing on the roof. <laughs> cooking on the barbecue represents uh, putting the flesh through the fiery trial, right? Standing on the roof in heavenly places, right? Chad means battle, warrior, protector, or defender. He could represent angels protecting God's elect. True. The house was located on a large amount of land, and there was a big pond that had a bridge going over it. We all shared everything, cooking together, sharing money, fellowshipping together every day. Acts 4 and 32 says, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and soul. And not one of them said that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. We all got along well. And it felt like we were in unity. The corporate body of Christ is in unity. Amen. I remember that Samuel, Samuel means God has heard or name of God. <clears throat> Marilyn and Barry were also living here at this house. And there were many other brethren that lived there too, but I don't remember what their names were. At one point, there were five of us, all of us on our knees in the yard, praying together, seeking God's presence deeper and deeper, and God was revealing to us the things that were hindering us from getting closer to Him. We were announcing those things with all of our heart and uh, existence. And our souls were aching and crying out for more of God. And we kept feeling God's presence stronger, and we still wanted more and more of Him. Psalm 37 and 4 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He will give thee the desires of thy heart. Wow. And Romans 6.11, Even so, 
Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God in Christ Jesus. Amen. 2 Corinthians 7 and 15 says, And his affection is more abundantly towards you, while he remembereth the obedience of you all, how with fear and trembling you received him. Well, later, Marilyn and I went for a walk in the yard and over the bridge to talk. We represent the corporate body of the bride. And I remember that Marilyn already knew what I was thinking and what I was going to say. She was also in tune with Barry in the spirit, and I knew that even though Barry wasn't physically there with us, he also knew what I was thinking at that very moment. 1 Corinthians 12 and 4 says, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And 11 says, But all these worketh the one and the same Spirit, dividing to each one severally, even as he will. And uh, 2 Corinthians 4 and 13 But having the same spirit of faith, according to that which is written, I believed, and therefore did I speak. We also believe, and therefore also we speak. If you believe it, it will come out of your mouth. If it comes out of your mouth, things will change. Yes. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beseech you to walk worthily of the calling wherewith you were called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, giving diligence to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as also you were called in one hope of your calling. So you need to be in the body. Not a body that's just a religious system. You know, in a body of people who are scriptural believers who believe all of the Word. Right? One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all, in and in all. Later, I needed to purchase some new clothes. I was allowed to use some of our joint money to buy what I needed. I had to go to the shops, and I don't like shopping, so I didn't want to be there um, very long at all. I asked God to please lead me to the right clothes because He knows what I want and need more than I do. The first clothes rack I went to, had clothes on sale for $5 each. Well, the number five means grace, which means that our calling, election, and spiritual gifts, our growth in the Lord, and our salvation are not earned, but they are all given to us freely from the Lord. There were two beautiful white dresses, One dress was whiter and brighter than the other. And they both were a similar style to the ones I used to wear. And I knew that God had put them both there for just me. 
Our garments uh, represent our works or our fruit. And getting whiter or brighter white dresses would uh, represent that our souls are bearing the fruit of Christ as we come more into His image. 2 Corinthians 3 and 18 says, But we all, with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are transformed into that same image, from glory to glory, as even from the Lord the Spirit. So, this is the gospel in a nutshell. You have to see the end from the beginning. You have to believe that you don't live anymore. Christ lives in you. When you were baptized, the old man died down there, and the one who came up was Christ. Amen? Galatians 5 and 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And 23 says, Meekness, self-control, against such there is no law. Isaiah 61 and 3, To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them a garland for ashes, and the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that they may be glorified. And Ephesians 5.27 That he might present the church to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish. Notice it's the church. It's the corporate body that God does this for. It's not those that separate unto themselves. Colossians 3, 5 through 15. Put to death, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry, for which sake things sake come the wrath of God upon the sons of disobedience, wherein you also once walked when you lived in these things, but now you also put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, railing, shameful speaking out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man and with his doings and have put on the new man that is being renewed unto knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there cannot be Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bondman, freeman, but Christ is all and in all. Amen. Put the word in your heart that causes Christ to live there, right? Put on, therefore, as God's elect, holy and beloved, heart of compassion, kindness, lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving each other, if any man hath a complaint against any. Even as the Lord forgave you, so also do ye, and above all these things, 
put on love, which is the bond of the perfectness. Okay? And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to the which also you were called in one body to be ye thankful. In Revelation nineteen seven through 8. Let us therefore and be exceedingly rejoice and be exceedingly glad and let us give the glory unto him for the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready and it was given unto her that she should array herself in fine linen bright and pure for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints I checked the size of these dresses, and they were both the perfect size for me. The Lord knows exactly how to clothe us. Amen. Matthew six twenty-eight through 33 says, And why are you anxious concerning raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so doth clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Be not therefore anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? And verse 32 says, For after all of these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father seeketh, uh, or knoweth, that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. That's a good promise, and it's true. It's true. He makes sure you have everything you need while you're seeking His will. I went to the register to pay for them, and the lady at the checkout asked if I wanted to try them on. And I told her that I didn't need to because I know that God had them right there for me. It only cost $10, which was much less than what the brethren had given me to buy some new clothing with. There was much money left to bring back to the brethren. Amen. And Psalm 47, Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than they have when their grain and new wine are increased. Each of the clothes hangers of the dresses had a rainbow ribbon ring attached to it. The rainbow represents God's promises of grace and protection for us. The lady went to take them off and I asked if I could please keep it because my son David loves to play with them. That is that colored ring. I was allowed to keep them and was grateful to God 
that everything was cheaper than expected, and God blessed me with way more than I imagined. We call this one, Here Comes the Bride. Claire Pinar, 6-8-23. In this dream, I represent the bride from Revelation 19 and 8, as my name means brilliant, which denotes the lampros garment that the bride has, right? And it was given unto her that she should array herself in fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. See, you're making your garment as you walk. I had a vision as I was falling asleep, and I saw myself walking down the aisle of a church, and I heard the tune, Here Comes the Bride. And as I walked, I was very quick. I asked the Lord to show me what it means and what it represents. And then had the vision again. This time it slowed down and zoomed in on specific facets. And the Lord spoke to me, telling me what each part means. Amen. I was wearing a white dress made of the softest, most beautiful, whiny material. It seemed to have gems or jewels or diamonds weaved into the fabric. And it also had jewels sewn onto the fabric. This represents the Lampros garment. The dress had long sleeves that went past my wrists, which represents chasteness. Uh, humility and being completely clothed in the righteousness of Christ. I had uh, pointy white court shoes on that also had jewels on them, which represents a straight walk that takes us into the courtroom of the Father, just like Esther. I had a very small bouquet of white and yellow daisies with some fern fronds. The bride doesn't have stench. She needs to cover up, which was the purpose of the traditional bouquets. Her prayers are a sweet fragrance to the Lord. She carries with her daisies, which are colored with purity and are the same color as the sun slash S-O-N. The bride brings the green leaves, which are for the healing of the nations, too. I had a veil, but it was worn like a covering and opened like a curtain across my face. We have an open heaven, and it is not veiled. She wears a covering because she is submitted to Christ, as 1 Corinthians 11 points out. I noticed that this church was a church called Rosebank. The Lord reminded me of the gift of faith that He poured out to me in August last year with the angels. He did this by giving me a single rose of red in a vision. 
The bride was a bank of faith. And when she is baptized in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The music that played here, Here Comes the Bride, is signifying a timing where the bride is almost ready. She is coming. Oh, wow. That's so awesome. She is coming. Yes, I believe it. And the Lord has been telling us lately, very lately, that He is coming. Of course, He's not coming the way the worldly church thinks because they're really hung up on the letter and don't really understand uh, why we have to be in Him before we can go to Him. Uh, why He lives in us before we can go to Him. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory, right? And so it is with the bride. The bride is being proven at this time. Uh, I believe the bride is going to be perfected in spirit uh, before the tribulation. And I believe that through the tribulation, she's going to be perfected uh, in soul uh, in time for her new bride body. And of course, God's going to give a body to each one as it uh, pleases him just like uh, the stars in heaven, right? Have a different body as it pleases Him. But they're all very glorious. And there's different glories of the bride as there is with all the rest of the saints. There's the uh, the, the uh, moon, sun, and star glory, okay? You start out as a star glory, and you have your own self-righteousness shining forth as a star. And then you go to moon glory, uh, which is uh, dead. Uh, and it, it only reflects the light of the sun. So you lose your self-glory and you come into his glory because you reflect his glory. That's moon. And the moon is dead. It represents death to self. It's the only way you can come into the glory of the sun. And that's called sonship. And so, when we come in, when we overcome through the death, burial, and resurrection that the moon represents, we come to sun glory. And that's his image. That's what Jesus was calling 30, 60, and 100 fold. And you say, but David, we can't do that. You're right. We can't do that. But he can do that. And all you have to do is give him faith. Give him faith. Offer him your life. Offer him to take over your life. And give him faith. We behold in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Most of the church would call that blasphemy. It's because they don't know the gospel that we don't live anymore. He lives in us. So therefore we see him in the mirror. And only in this way will he become manifested in us. That's what he said. We behold in a, with an unveiled face. Let me say a lot of the church is veiled. Okay, their, their eyes are veiled. Not their head, their eyes. With an unveiled face, we behold in a mirror the glory of the Lord and are transformed into that same image from glory to glory as from 
the Lord the Spirit. You see, this is a supernatural thing. Jesus said, if we confess him before men, he will confess us before the Father. And confess is a word, homo legeo, and it means to speak the same as. So if you speak this word, some people don't speak this word because they don't like it. (laughs) It makes them responsible. Uh, If you speak this word before men that Jesus lives in you, uh, it will come to pass. Uh, And your high priest of your confession, Jesus, as the Bible calls him, uh, will confess you before the Father and before the holy angels. The angels are the ones who protect and deliver and provide for you. That's their job. You're not burdening God with anything. They're ready to do all of this, and they can do it a lot easier than you can. Yeah. So cease from your own works and enter into the rest. That's also a part of moon glory, right? Cease and uh, enter into the works of Christ, which is sun glory. And He will do that. As you cease, He will strengthen you. His power is made perfect in weak, perfect in weakness. That's your weakness. As you're weak, He is strong. As you're weak to save yourself and do all these things that you were trained up to do, God will do it. He even tells you, if you seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, all these other things will be added unto you. Did you know that? What are you going to do for a living in the wilderness while you're trying to escape the beast? Hmm? Have you got time to go and work in the nearest plant or store or whatever? Hmm. No, not likely you'll get to do that uh, because the mark of the beast will be prevalent. But you can have every provision by seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's what he said. He will take care of you. He will clothe you. He will take care of you in this wilderness. Many people don't know that and they fear what is coming, which is going to cause them to take the mark of the beast. It's even going to cause them to have convenient doctrines from reprobate teachers that tell them it's okay to take the mark of the beast. You need to feed your children. You need to, yeah, right. But these are reprobate preachers. And it's contrary to God. You'll be tormented day and night forever and ever if you take the mark of the beast. Do you understand? Don't believe these liars. That's stupidity. Okay? But but you're once saved, always saved, so it must be this way, right? (laughs) No. No. If you walk in sin, you will die. And if you walk after the flesh, you must die. The Apostle Paul said, I'll believe him. Okay? She is coming. The bride is coming. And when the Lord comes, uh, not in the proposed way, but in uh, uh, a body of reformers, like he came the first time, a son of David, and uh, who represented the one uh, who headed the kingdom uh, in its glory. Um, he's going to come in a body that he calls the Son of David. 
and he's going to preach the real true gospel and do mighty, wonderful miracles like he's prone to do, (laughs) you know, and loves to do and signs and wonders and save people from the vaccine. (laughs) Yes, and many other stupid things that are out there. He's going to save people. And he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers so that the earth doesn't have to totally be cursed. You'll have a rainbow over you. (laughs) Praise be to God. Lord, we thank you so much for what you're showing us in these wonderful parables. You know, you taught in parables and you still do. And you lead people to do that. People who know what the you know, translation of the parables should be, you you do this. And many people out there have wonderful, wonderful dreams and visions and revelations, and they don't know what they're about, and they think they're pizza, you know. No, they're not. Uh, not in a lot of cases. I'm not saying you can't have a pizza dream, and but some of them look like pizza dreams when the symbolism is right there in the Bible. It's right in the Bible. You don't even have to interpret it yourself. You can go to the Bible and find out what the interpretation is. Amen. Get familiar with the Bible. You'll know the voice of the Lord. You see, some people follow a false voice. Jesus said that. He went into the sheepfold and called his own by name, and they knew his voice, and they came out and followed him. What sheepfold was that? Uh, it was the denominations of Judaism when he spoke it first, but now it's the denominations of Christianity. They're blind. Read your Bible. This is what puts Jesus Christ in you. This is where he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can't get a sermon off of two or three verses and think you're going to help people. You've got to overcome your training as a human. You've got to overcome what's already in your hard drive with this Word of God that will manifest Jesus Christ in you. He is the Word. If you put the Word in you, you will have Him in you in plenty. Okay? So be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But you've got to see the end from the beginning. That's what faith is. Faith calls the things that be not as though they were. And that's where this confession comes in. It's no more I that liveth. It's Christ that liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We see in the mirror the glory of Christ. We're transformed into that image from glory to glory as we see it as a done thing. You're looking in the mirror and you're seeing the glory of the Lord. That means it's in you. You're confessing it's in you. This is faith. You're believing you have received as Jesus said. He said all things whatsoever you pray and ask for. Did you ask for his salvation? Do you know what his salvation is? It's Christ in you. If you asked, he said, believe you have received. 
and you shall have it. That's what he said. So you see, there's a supernatural method of getting to Christ-likeness that the church is blinded about. They are veiled, according to that verse. They're veiled. They don't understand what has been given to them. And we are being called to give that grace to them, to show them the way for God to manifest their salvation. It will be because we act in faith. We walk in faith, believing we have received, as Jesus told us to do with every prayer that we prayed. All things whatsoever you pray and ask for, believe you received them, and you shall have them. Did you ask for Jesus to live in you? Well, keep on believing. Amen. All right. Thank you, saints, for being with us. And uh, the Lord richly bless you mightily. And uh, we'll do this again sometime. Amen. Good night. Can quench my thirsting soul. Pure as water made me whole. Let your streams of mercy flow. Oh, Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus, I trust in you. And when I face that darkest night, what will Shining rays of red and white Jesus, I trust in you O sacred heart, in you I find Mercy seated for all time I am yours and you are mine O Jesus, I trust in you Though the mountains fall into the sea Though the rivers rise, I still believe For your mercy stands and your word is true Oh Jesus, I trust in you Though the mountains fall into the sea Though the rivers rise, I still believe For your mercy stands and your word is true Oh Jesus